on the lowdown, a down season podcast, Mary Cardo gives us the lowdown on parenting a child with Down syndrome and autism as a single mother. Over to you, Hannah Marla. Thank you, Danielle. Um, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lowdown Podcast. My name is Hina Mehmood. I am the Senior Occupational Therapist at the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation. And joining me is my wonderful co-host, Marla Folden, who is a speech-language pathologist at the DSRF. Hi, Marla. Hello. How, How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, it's a good day. Good, Middle yeah. of summer. Loving yes, it. Yes, I know. The weather's getting, like, January has it's subsided, over. and all the hot temperatures <laughs> are setting in. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So before we continue on, with our episode, we would love for you to hit that subscribe button and leave a review of our podcast on your chosen podcast platform. Uh, Remember to check out our episode pages for additional resources related to each episode. You can also follow the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation at www.dsrf.org and on Instagram and Twitter by following at DSRF Canada. So today, we are very, very pleased to bring you our second installment of the Lowdown Podcast's Family Spotlight. And we have the pleasure of speaking to one amazing mom who is also a fellow podcaster. She has a wonderful eight-year-old daughter with Down syndrome and a very unique and inspiring family story. Mm-hmm. Mary Cardle is who we get to talk to today, and she's a single mom by choice living in Burnaby in BC with her beautiful daughter Ainsley. Between spending time with her favorite girl and working, she loves to bake and knit and trail run and go glamping. I am all in for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Mary's also the creator and host of the T21 Mom podcast. It's all about Down syndrome. I recommend you give that a listen as well, for sure. Mary's hoping to have some big trips in the new future, you know, after pandemic and all that, um, with Ainsley going to Europe and maybe down under. And she loves to bake chocolate chip cookies with Ainsley. Of course, Ainsley loves the chocolate chips. (laughs) And they like swimming, playing at the park and spending time with Dennis and her cousins. Welcome to the Lowdown, Mary. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. We are delighted to have you with us today, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's nice to have you on the other side of the mic. Yeah, <laughs> because Mary's been gracious enough to have us on her podcast, so it's really fun to kind of have you back and mm-hmm. yeah. reciprocate. Um, so we always start with our five secret questions, oh, just dear. so that everybody gets to know you. Everyone's nervous for this part. Yes. It's not a not a huge deal. Um, the first question is: What are you currently reading and or listening to that you enjoy? <laughs> I don't have a lot of time to read, but I am reading. I've just started. Uh, it's sharing love abundantly with special needs families. It's about Ooh. the five love languages. So yeah, yeah. So it was originally the book was the five love languages, but now it's been adapted to families with children with special needs. So that is, oh, I want to get my hands yeah. on that. Yeah, it's a small little book. So hopefully okay. I can get through it pretty quick. Yeah. And I also love to listen to podcasts, obviously, for, for Lowdown, sure. yeah, yeah. for sure. And <laughs> I love the dark poutine. Oh, oh. It's a true heard. crime Canadian oh, podcast. Okay. All about it. I was it. like, what was is like, that about? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cooking? <laughs> also, okay. I think what we'll do is we'll put a link to that book on our episode page because I think a lot of other families would want to, Absolutely. to check I that book out as well. A lot of people know about the five love languages, but this yeah. is this is yes. so applicable and so mm-hmm. neat. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay. Very cool. Um, the second question, if you could like instantly <laughs> learn another language, no effort required, what would you want to just learn mm-hmm. and then be able to go there and have a great time? Well, probably Japanese, actually. I lived Mm. in Japan for a couple of years. So I think, you know, my Japanese is pretty rusty, but if I could instantaneously speak Japanese, that would be the bomb. That, yeah. Awesome. (laughs) And then 
it, it just makes traveling so much easier. Oh, it would mm-hmm. be so nice. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea you lived in Japan for two years. That's so cool. Yeah. <clears throat> How yeah. long ago was that? Many, 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 many years ago. ago. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right after okay. I finished university, oh, okay. I literally, like, I think it was nine days. Got it. I got like, on the plane <laughs> and went there. I didn't know. I think I knew seven words when I got off the plane in Japanese and that was it. And it was an amazing well, two years. That is great. Oh, I've heard only the best about Japan. Everyone yeah. that goes there is just raving about it. So that's very cool. Okay. Question number three. What is something from your childhood that you still love today? Could be anything. It could be a food that I still love today. Uh, you know, I love decorating Christmas cookies. Yeah. You know, I remember doing that as a kid with my mom and my siblings and I've carried on that tradition with my nieces and, you know, and with Ainsley and my friends. And, you know, I'm sure that's sort of where my love of cookies came from. Yeah. But yeah, I love doing that. It just, it just, you know, I just remember Christmas and it's all those traditions and I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. And can we give a plug in to your amazing cookies? Because they yeah, are, I was just gonna yeah. say, and they're awesome. <laughs> it's, it's called Miss Ace Cookies, I think, right? Yes, yeah. that's right. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. You know, not always very active there, but you know, because you can only show so many pictures of cookies. But <laughs> hey, but yes, uh, I do a lot of my baking. My cookies is to raise for funds for the Down Syndrome mm-hmm. Resource Foundation. For for the run up for Down syndrome. So mm-hmm. I'm more yeah. than happy to bake somebody any kind of cookie yeah. that they like. Yeah. Mm. They're they're very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, question number four. What was the best advice that you ever received? And it could be, like I said, in any area of life. Oh, gosh. You know, hmm, that's a bit of a tough one. The best advice, you know, I remember many, many years ago, my mom, I don't know if it's really advice, but she just said, you know, life isn't always fair. Mm. You know, I remember I didn't get selected to go on the French exchange, but all my friends got selected. And Mm. I I was quite upset by that. And I've kind of always kind of carried that through with me. Just, you know, sometimes like life just isn't fair, but you deal with it and move on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 You can't always get what you want. Isn't that like a Rolling Stones thing or something? I think so. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, funny that you say that because shortly after I learned that Ainsley had Down syndrome, Mm -hmm. it was a prenatal diagnosis and that Mm -hmm. song came on the radio Mm. and and the line was, you can't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. Yeah. Uh And I bet that was meaningful at the time. Very well. And still yeah. to this day. Yeah. So, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. That's my awesome. mom used to sing that to me. Mom, if you're listening, I remember <laughs> anytime things didn't go my way, she would sing it at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually about very trivial things, but yeah. yeah. But still, well, it's stuck mm-hmm. with both Lesson of you. So it in. must have, yeah, must have made an impact if you yeah. still remember to this day. So uh-huh. moms are right. Moms are right about that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So our last question. So you mentioned that you wanted to go traveling, but mm-hmm. look, what is one thing that you're looking forward to doing post pandemic that, it's just like one of those little things that you weren't able to do. Oh my gosh. I'm just so looking forward to having my family over mm-hmm. and having a barbecue and having my friends over because pretty much haven't seen anybody. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and it's been, it's been hard. Like my aunt, she has some medical issues. So I haven't seen her in almost a year Mm. and that's been tough. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Things are 
kind of calming down a little bit more. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. The light is at the end it's of the so tunnel, close. so we're just so hoping. close. That's right. <laughs> so great. Okay, well, great. Thank you for indulging in that. That You're was really welcome. fun. Um, so can you tell our listeners a little bit about your family and your lovely daughter, Ainsley, who Marla and I have had the pleasure of working oh, with? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Well, as Marla mentioned, I am a single mom by choice. And that means that I decided to have a child on my own. Mm-hmm. And I was an older mom, but Down syndrome wasn't really in the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm. But I found out at about, if I remember it was Mother's Day, and I had just announced to my family, and I was so nervous about telling them that I was about to have a child, mm-hmm. you know, I on my own, uh, that I was pregnant. Everyone was so excited. And I remember one of my sister-in-laws asked me, are you worried? And I said, no, not really. Mm-hmm. The doctor said, you know, it's about six to 9% mm-hmm. chance that I might have a child with Down syndrome. And initially I thought that was high, but he said, think of it the other way, like 91% chance that everything's fine. And I said, no, not really. Someone's in that six to 9%. You just hope it's not you. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, I got a phone call. Uncanny! Oh my goodness! Mm. Right? Wow! Mm. Yeah. (laughs) And then two days later, I got a phone call that kind of changed my life. That you know, the doctor wanted to see me, and when I went, she told me that I had a one in five chance Mm -hmm. of my child having Down syndrome. And as I'm sure every parent who has had either a prenatal or a birth diagnosis. Like you're devastated. I thought my life was over. I mean, I didn't even have an official diagnosis, but I went for an amnio. But it gets very real. Yeah. And it's weird. I just kind of knew. I just Mm kind of already knew that, Mm -hmm. you know, my baby was going to have Down syndrome. And, you know, I remember the day that I got the call, like they, I knew which day it was going to be. And I had a friend come and stay with me and I figured they would give the, in quotes, bad news calls in the morning, Hmm. but the morning sort of passed and I hadn't heard anything. And then we're getting ready to go out for brunch and I missed a call and I called that number back and I held my breath and I leaned over the counter and I can't even really remember what she said, but I think she said, you know, your, your baby has trisomy 21. And I probably thanked her and hung up the phone. I don't really remember anything beyond Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And then I just had a really ugly cry and my friend let me have that moment. And then we had a hug, went for breakfast and went maternity clothes shopping. And it was sort of surreal because I should have been so ecstatic, but it's trying to process everything. It was really challenging, but I had a really wonderful village who surrounded Mm -hmm. me, who supported me, you know, because it was tough. Like, you know, it took me a while to come to acceptance, but I finally found a way to get there. And a friend of mine who unfortunately wasn't able to have children, she had been with me through the whole getting pregnant process. And, you know, as I did IVF and I remember when I had gone to the doctor at the eight week appointment, she came with me and the doctor confirmed that I was pregnant and, you know, we hugged and we're both crying and I'm crying because I'm so happy that I'm finally having a baby. And I'm sure she was crying for the same reason, but also that she couldn't have a child, Mm -hmm. but I asked her to be my birth partner. So Mm -hmm. You know, yes. So my good friend, Marcy, she was my birth partner and, 
you know, after, I don't know, 22 hours of labor, I can't even remember now. (laughs) Uh, I had Ainsley. I didn't know if it was a boy or girl. I was secretly hoping for a girl because I grew up with brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Three brothers. And I always wanted a sister. And uh, I ended up having to have a C-section. And uh, the doctors were all great. They were, you know, they were prepared because they knew that she was going to have Down syndrome. And then when they held her up, we're looking to see like, what is it? And then they finally announced it's a girl. And then they told me she was 9-1. And I said, thank God I had a C-section. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we did have an extended stay in hospital for 26 days. No mm-hmm. real health issues, just low oxygen saturation levels. Mm-hmm. And she has a healthy heart. And... It was weird because like I kind of knew that she had Down syndrome before the amnio. And then when we went to do the the heart scan, the echocardiogram, I kind of just knew her heart was going to be okay. I mm. can't explain how I know these things. Yeah. I just knew. Yeah. And, you know, we have an amazing village. Uh, my family is amazing. They have all embraced and loved her. And, you know, and... You know, I met an amazing man named Dennis, who, when I finally told him that Ainsley has Down syndrome, he didn't even blink. You know, he never batted an eye. And those two are as thick as thieves and, you know, like two peas in a pod. And they just absolutely love each other. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel really uh, fortunate that I met somebody like Dennis, who is so accepting, because we all know that... People are scared of what they Not don't know. Yeah, yeah. Right? It doesn't mm-hmm. always turn out that way. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, and often people they're scared of Down syndrome. Like I've heard of lots of stories where partners have just left, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, without even giving a chance. And Dennis accepted her before even officially meeting her, and you know, they're pretty much inseparable now. So, yeah. So we, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's been an amazing journey for sure. Mm -hmm. It's hard at times, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was doing everything on my own. It's, it's tough. It's really hard, but you know, I've had a great group of people support me. We have great, you know, awesome Mm -hmm. resources like the Mm -hmm. DSRF and Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I guess that's pretty much my little story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did it strike you I mean in your extended hospital stay you're there and you need to be there it's the o2 sats and whatever but you're like also this is just a baby like this is just my baby and Down syndrome is a piece of the puzzle but mm-hmm. mostly she's just she's just my baby did, did that strike you at all that yes and I mean we had so many specialists mm-hmm. look at her and because they, and then we were spent a week at Children's and nobody could figure out what was wrong with her. And of course, babies with Down syndrome, they have a hard time feeding mm-hmm. because of their tone. And I remember it would take an that hour very, to feed very her hard. and then I have to pump. And then it was like, you know, you just before never I know sleep. it's another half hour before I can feed her, it was insanity at past, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, yeah, it was hard. And like, you know, and I remember they had a lot of medical a group of medical students that wanted to, I guess, look at her because they don't get a lot of children with Down syndrome. And I said, that's fine, but I don't want her to be poked and prodded, you know, because she's my baby. Exactly. You know, she's not just this strange anomaly. Right. You know, that I, 
And I totally get that they don't see that very often. And I'm all about like, let's support and mm-hmm. so that they can learn, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, I just wanted to get home and 26 days, it felt like an eternity. I mean, mm-hmm. now it's nothing, but it did at the time. I thought, oh, I just want well, to get you home. Well, you haven't had any, you've just had a baby and you yeah. haven't slept. And yeah. Kind of, I mean, and you're, on yeah. your, and you're on your own. You don't have yeah. like a, a someone tag supporting team. you, tag teaming yeah. it out. So yeah, that can be very difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was challenging. But when yeah. you, when you got that Down syndrome diagnosis, were you like, okay, I'm going to read everything I know about it? Or were you of the mind that I'm just going to take it as it comes and learn as I go? Like what were, where were you at when you know that knew that you were going to have a little one with Down syndrome? Oh, I'm all about, I need to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like literally the next day I was at work and I'm calling the National Down Syndrome Society because I didn't know about the DSRF. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know to this day how they even understood me because I was (laughs) crying so hard Mm -hmm. and it was just a voice message, but somehow they understood my name and my address. And about a week later, I got a package of information and a book called Gifts. And mm-hmm. I couldn't read the book right away. I started, but it was it was still too fresh because mm-hmm. I was, you know, it's like 17 weeks at that point, right. 18 weeks. Yeah. And, uh, but I did read it later on in my pregnancy. And there were a few single parents, but not for the same reason as myself. Mm-hmm. But after I read those stories, that's kind of when I felt like it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I just... It's just a slightly different road, but it's it's going to be okay. And yeah. and then just as a little side note, like a few years later, uh, it was the 10th anniversary of the book Gifts. And then they had a call out for stories. And I thought, well, I kind of have a little bit of unique story. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I submitted mine and it was picked and it was the only Canadian picked. So oh, wow. yeah, so I, Very I'm cool. quite proud of that actually. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know you were in that book. Yeah. Wow. I think you might have one in the library here. Yeah, you do. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I think it was who, who, wasn't it um, compiled by? I think a mom whose son used to come to the DSRF. I can't remember now, but yeah, but there was. A, I, I might be getting them confused, but it's a lovely book. It's something that every parent that has a kiddo with Down syndrome has read and loved. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yes, I quite Great. enjoyed the short yeah. little stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Great. It is so interesting to me that getting this information before your child is born is a huge, it's a huge deal. There's, you cannot deny it at all. And yet there are other people who find out this, these things afterward, Mm -hmm. or they find it out when their kid is two or four and they don't know this information. And it, it seems like it doesn't matter when the information comes to you. The idea of a different road is Mm -hmm. it's blindsiding. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? It's just, it just takes you and I think there's, how do you feel about knowing it before Ainsley was born? Because you haven't held her yet. You mm-hmm. don't, you know, it's like, it's a not a wedge, but it's in there before you even get that chance to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad I had a prenatal diagnosis. And yeah. it seems like every parent I talk to, however they get their diagnosis, they always say it's the better the way. way. Yeah. I don't think I would have done well with a birth diagnosis mm-hmm. because just, the expectations ex- yeah. I've, I mean, I've read, I, because I had a chance to find out about Down syndrome, I had a chance to prepare, mm-hmm. you know, I got connected with a great pediatrician that we still go to, you know, all of these things. Like if 
I didn't have that information beforehand. I think I would have been scrambling. I'm Mm -hmm. on my own. You know, Mm -hmm. I think at that point I'd be thinking my world really is over, you know, but I had time to just really go through the emotions and plan. And yeah, for me, it was definitely better. Sort of Mm -hmm. reconcile and be ready. Yes, Mm. definitely. Yeah. Had -hmm. you ever met somebody with Down syndrome before? A little bit. When I worked at the aquarium, there was a young man named Winston, and he worked as a volunteer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But really, that was generally mm-hmm. my only real interactions. I would see a few in, people with Down syndrome in the community, yeah. like at church, and, you know, I would see them... Uh, at Safeway often, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. yeah. I think they're fantastic because I often see them employing people with different abilities mm-hmm. there. So, but that was it, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like I really didn't know anyone. And again, that's where I think people get scared is because mm-hmm. they haven't had that mm-hmm. chance to interact with someone with mm-hmm. Down syndrome. And sometimes I wonder too, because I mean, there are people with Down syndrome around in the same way that there's people with other differences around, but you might not notice unless somebody's having a really hard time, you Mm -hmm. know? So when people are aware that there's somebody who's a bit different, it's probably when they're having a meltdown or whatever. So that's what they remember is like this really hard moment from somebody else's life. And then you kind of are like, oh, okay, maybe people are like that, Mm -hmm. but that's not representative of who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That people are catching us, our students at the, at the wrong moment, instead of seeing them employed at Safeway and having a good time, just Mm -hmm. living their lives. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay. Hmm. We've talked a little bit about your diagnosis. I want to hear a little bit about how Ainsley is now, because She's, she's not a baby anymore. She's much, <laughs> you know, middle of elementary school. And so tell us about Ainsley now. Ainsley's eight and she's in grade three. And, you know, she's doing amazing. She was diagnosed with the dual diagnosis of autism at about five mm-hmm. and a half. Mm-hmm. And it was delivered so horribly oh. that it was almost as bad as the Down syndrome diagnosis. The doctor was very defeating and I just, it was just horrible the way it was given to me. Mm -hmm. And he even said to me verbatim, don't bother teaching her the ABCs or the niceties such as please and thank you because they don't mean anything to her. Um. Yes. And I don't know (laughs) if he meant don't ever. I hope that's not what he meant, but I thought, she already knows her ABCs at the time. She's just going to say, you know, and I just felt as a parent, so defeated. I go, Mm -hmm. I I just spent all this time teaching her this and you're telling me don't bother. Yeah. And I was so angry and I get a message from them the next day, I think it was, but it took me a month before I could respond. Mm -hmm. And I said, why would you tell me this? Why would the doctor say this? It's, it's terrible. And, you know, that gave her such a low cognitive age. And I, I know I knew it wasn't right. And I remember our support worker, I mean, it's really only till age three, but she kind of sort of stayed around because Ainsley went to the same daycare that she supported. And she brought something up that I thought was very interesting. And it was a while after the diagnosis, she said, I've been thinking about it, but you know how Ainsley is whenever she meets somebody new, she plays them. And I go, 
I think that's what happened during the assessment because mm. it totally made sense because mm. it's somebody new. Why am I going to do anything for you? Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's been thriving really well with her various different therapies, which I'm so happy to see. And the developmental pediatrician did tell me that the, the other doctor at the assessment and said, you'll see great strides over the next year. And that is true. You know, and she's learning to read. And then this past year, something kind of really exciting happened. And I got a message from her EA, who has been with her since kindergarten. It's unfortunately her last year that she'll be with Ainsley. But she sent me a message, said, I need to tell you something. You probably already know this. I go, no, I I don't know anything. (laughs) And she goes, I'm shaking. And she said, Ainsley can do simple math. She, she's spelling words. And I go, what? Like, you know, math was not even on the radar. You know, I was hopeful that maybe at some point we'll learn to spell, you know, my goal was more reading. And she said, she sent me this list of all these words and they were words that we don't even practice like on our flashcards Mm -hmm. and that she is like doing basic math. And I go, I don't know where that came from because we're not doing it at home. And so that was so exciting for me because, you know, when we had her IEP kind of the year end up year end roundup of the IEP, you know, they were all really surprised. And her EA had told me when this was all happening that she told another, might've been another teacher, another EA, I'm not sure. And the teacher didn't believe her. Hmm. And she showed her and the teacher was shocked. And so when we had the IEP review, I said, like, let's aim high. Like, Mm -hmm. don't, you know, don't think our kids can't do something. And so for me, that was really exciting because Ainsley just always just shows people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we started school, there was a lot of reluctance for her to go full time because she wasn't a great walker. She was a really late walker. Mm -hmm. And then we had a special meeting with all these important people and they wanted to go see her walk and they put the walker out, which I was so against. And Ainsley, they put her in the walker and then she just walked away from it. So I said, (laughs) nope. Just show them, girl. So yeah, yeah, no, so she's doing really well. She can swim, you know, she loves going to the park and, you know, our our kids can do anything. It might take them a little longer or a different way. I mean, she's not a great swimmer, but she can swim half a length of the pool. That's more than I can do because I don't even know how to swim. So there you go. (laughs) Um, We were mentioning about the walking and I found this is a really interesting part of Ainsley's life because, you know, talking about presumed competency, like we need to assume that our kids can do this. Can you talk a little bit about the um, experience Ainsley had with her awesome PT and how the PT's approach and presuming competency (laughs) actually really did help Ainsley learn how how to walk? Of course. Yeah. So... Ainsley was, we're at her fourth birthday party and she's a late, it's in November. And I've been like trying for like a year. We'd be go up and down the halls and up and down the stairs every single night, but she wouldn't do it by herself. I knew she could do it mm-hmm. and we'd walk to the park, but she just wouldn't let go of my hand. And then at her birthday party, she was walking back and forth between the tables and everyone's cheering and I'm going, <laughs> yes, we're going to be walking by Christmas. She never did it again. Mm. And I go, oh my gosh. And so I contacted our support worker that I just mentioned, uh, Jen. 
And she got us in to see the fabulous Brenda Horton. And we went there on this really snowy day. I wasn't even going to go because I didn't have snow tires. And Jen came and got us on a Saturday afternoon and took us there. And the first thing Brenda told me, she says, she's going to walk. And I remember crying. And within three weeks, she had her walking. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Independently on her own. And, you know, the sessions were hard. Ainsley would be crying. I'd be crying. I'd be in the car crying. Mm. It was hard, but I knew I had to uh, know that uh, Brenda knew what she was doing and I had to have complete trust in her. And she did it. And, you know, she goes, I'm possibly just as stubborn, if not more (laughs) than Ainsley. And I I think that's what worked. And, you know, and they just started by Brenda and another physio, just Ainsley walking one or two steps in between. And then they just kept going farther and farther apart until, you know, she realized there was nothing to hold on to and she just did it. Wow. Mm -hmm. And Brenda's the same physio that we go to swim physio for. Obviously we haven't been going because of COVID, but I'm, looking forward to it resuming hopefully soon. Mm -hmm. And she got her swimming, Mm -hmm. you know, and I told many parents of kids with Down syndrome or even different abilities to go see Brenda because Mm -hmm. she is a true miracle worker Mm -hmm. and she only deals with kids. And, you know, she often deals with kids with these really rare diagnoses and Mm -hmm. You know, she is... She knows her stuff. Yeah, she yeah. definitely mm-hmm. knows her stuff. And I hope she never retires. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that stands out to me for Ainsley, and I think it's kind of the same for a lot of our kids, is finding the way for them to show what they know or what they can do. And it's like with her spelling and her doing her math, that skill was in there, mm-hmm. you know, and it's about mm-hmm. finding how can we set things up and the onus is on everybody else who's with her to figure out a way so that she can demonstrate it mm-hmm. and you got to have your right team with you. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ainsley is very capable. Mm-hmm. You, um, you know that I know that, but uh, people make the wrong assumptions about her. Mm-hmm. I think based on how much, she might look at you or how long she'll interact with you in an activity mm-hmm. that you choose that might be boring to her. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, this is not my thing. I don't want to do this. And then that's it. And people kind mm-hmm. of leave it. And yeah, I think it's a good, it's a good lesson for kind of all therapists out there to, you got to put the work in to find the mm-hmm. way, the avenue that's going to mm-hmm. be interesting and Especially exciting. Especially with our students too. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, we know that, our individuals with Down syndrome learn best when we incorporate preferences, you know, like Mm -hmm. all those very key learning strategies and learning strengths of our people with Down syndrome. But Mm -hmm. I think you kind of have to customize it to them Mm -hmm. in order to, and it doesn't mean that you have to customize everything forever. It's just, especially in the early years when you're really learning Mm -hmm. and when the skills are new and the skills are new. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially if there's somebody new working with Ainsley, then, you know, I'm sure I know (laughs) we've had these conversations with Mary many times, like every new school year or new school teacher, you know, Mm -hmm. or whoever, when I was new with her, she was like, I'm not going to show you my skills. And I was like, but I know that you have them. (laughs) Yeah. So we will find them. We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> but that's exactly it. Is mm-hmm. I always tell like new therapists, mm-hmm. Ainsley will test you. She will Which play is smart, you. Right? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's part of, you know, the problem per se is that, you know, Ainsley, you know, people 
often just let her get away with things because she's cute, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm she's a little extremely biased. charming. And, she is, you know, yes. so people just, you know, I said, just because she has Down syndrome, she doesn't get a pass. Yes, exactly. You know, and just don't let her get away with things. Like, you know, even trying, like, I know that she can talk in more than one or two words, right? Mm-hmm. But she knows that if she just says water, mm-hmm. that the water Often will show will up. Just give it to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, but make her ask it for it in a whole sentence mm-hmm. because she can do it. And she knows that I, you know, I don't have to work that hard. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. she can get away with it, yeah. she will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The expectation should be the same as any other kid her yes. age, right? Like yeah. it shouldn't be any different. The support might be a bit different mm-hmm. about how we teach her, but the expectation should always be the same. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Go, let's go back a little bit to when Ainsley was younger. What are some of like a really great early childhood memory of Ainsley? Like, what was she like as a baby, as a as a little little, little toddler? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would love to know what Ainsley was I don't like. Think I knew little... her at that age. No, we yeah, didn't start I think coming so. till about. Mm, I'm trying to think how old Ainsley was. Maybe four. Okay. Yeah, so I didn't know four, her when she was tiny. Because you were originally like seeing us in Surrey, I remember at one point or something, we did right? See, we yeah. did do some speech in Surrey, but we were here prior to that, but yeah. then we couldn't get in. So then we were going to Surrey. Yeah. Ainsley, you know, she <clears throat> is actually was always a really good baby. She was a, a real chunk when she was younger, <laughs> you know, has always loved music mm-hmm. and, you know, just, yeah, really... I mean, I don't have other children, you know, I have nieces and nephews to compare, but, you know, she was always a happy baby, a great sleeper, you know, we loved going to the park a lot and, you know, she loves the swings and we've had a few tumbles from the swings, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah, you know, just, and also that has been a great opportunity for learning language at this park Mm -hmm. and, and she loves the water, like at our park. She loves to go down, like you have to go down a few steps to get to the, where the water park is. And I remember like when in the early days of her walking, she'd always be gunning towards the stairs. Like, oh, like, oh, makes me nervous. Right? <laughs> yeah. But she's always been an excellent climber. Like she loves to climb all the mm-hmm. things at the park and she's never fallen. She makes she's my strong. heart beat strongly when I see her <laughs> climbing up these things. It scares me, but she's never fallen. And she, you know, she's always been a little bit of a monkey and just... You know, I, to me, a really awesome kid, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. so yeah. And, and she loves cookies and chocolate and, you know, like, I guess like most kids, but her favorite food is mac and cheese. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> Very classic. Pasta. Very, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to ask you a little bit about support within the DS community. You didn't come to us or you didn't know us right away, but we are also not the only aspect of support for Mm -hmm. parents who have kids with Down syndrome. Did you find other people that were kind of with you on the same road or how did you set yourself up for some support if, if at all? Well, we did have some early intervention through Bocce, which is the Burnaby Association for Community Inclusion. Mm -hmm. And Jen was our support worker and she was fantastic. She sounds amazing. She just knows everybody. And we also had some support through uh, the Center for Ability, but, you know, it was a bit spotty and it was challenging. They didn't, 
it's changed now, but they didn't like it at the time if you were getting private therapy mm, mm-hmm. and then you were also getting yeah. therapy from then. And I yeah. kind of understand that, but, you know, I was trying to get speech therapy for Ainsley and, you know, you can only get in every two to three weeks. And I think in one year, I think we went through five speech therapists. They do have a lot of turnover, you yeah. know, yeah. so that was really challenging. And then just finding other moms, like I started going to it was our local play group, the upside down play group. And we first went when Ainsley was seven months old. So it was kind of nice to find like your tribe, right? Mm-hmm. Other parents with kids around the same age. So that was one way. And just to start building like your community, your right. your village, right? And, you know, and then I found out about you guys. But, you know, a lot of these therapies, they cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And you know, and Variety, they stepped up in a big way mm-hmm. for Ainsley. And I'm really grateful for that. They've been just so generous. And then they they gifted us a beautiful trike for Ainsley, which she loves. Dennis and her love to go out on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Dennis likes to ride on the back of it more than anything. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's all about like finding your people. You know, Facebook is great, you know, to get in and find like people from all over really. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think it's also great to find people locally because Mm -hmm. it just makes it easier and and meet those other parents, moms, mostly, obviously, you know, for me. And then, because then you can share your resources Mm -hmm. locally and, you know, because a lot of people still don't even know about the DSRF. I know. Which sounds crazy (laughs) to me, but, you know, especially if you're not right in the local area, you may not, you know, if you're a little bit farther out, you might not know about the DSRF, but you need to find those people. You need to find your support. They, people who understand what you're going through when the times are tough and also for just resources, like, yeah, the the DSRF is great for speech. Go see Brenda for physio, you know, go see Hannah for OT or, Mm -hmm. you know, so Mm -hmm. I found that that has been big, you know, just, I think it's really important to have your tribe because I actually really feel those are the people that really know what it's like when you're in the trenches you really know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because some days it's really hard. Some days it is trenches. Yeah. For sure. Sometimes for sure. sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think there's huge value too in meeting some other families whose kids are roughly the same age, maybe a little bit older, a little Mm -hmm. bit younger, because you're kind of that person when other people have the younger babies and they kind of look at you and they're like, okay, she's doing it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. she still got it, especially Mm -hmm. when your babies are little and you're really unsure. It's so valuable to look ahead a little bit and say they're having a happy life like this is possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that can continue as kids grow up and people can kind of give you the word of mouth down the line like, oh, this transition thing from high school is a big deal. Worth it to start very early, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's way more valuable coming from other parents, I think, than random people from school or us or Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. The lived experience is Mm -hmm. way different than the professional experience. So, (laughs) so yeah, so we can only say what we can, but you guys are the true holder of all the knowledge. So we value your info greatly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we appreciate that for sure. Yeah. That's why it's it's like a team thing, right? I mean, that's why we like to, we're pride ourselves at DSRF at being family centered. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to help not only our clients, but help the families as well. So, Oh, totally. Yeah. And you guys have. Yeah. 100%. Um, you had mentioned a little bit earlier about Ainsley's um, autism diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about 
what did you see any red flags or like how did the, that come about you looking for that diagnosis? Did somebody else mention it? Just yes, exactly. That's what exactly what happened. I had a tiny little bit of concern because she liked to uh, flap like a mm-hmm. like a card or maybe a little pocket comb on her chin a lot. And I remember mm-hmm. ROT at the time. It was before we started seeing you, Hannah. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, but I go, do you think that could be autism? Because that was my greatest fear, more than Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And she goes, no, I think it's just a sensory thing. And in some respects, I do think she was right. I think Ainsley does have a lot of mouth sensory issues. Mm-hmm. Even today, she's always really hard on her chewies. But we had an assessment for the at-home program. Mm-hmm. And the woman kind of mentioned it there. Mm-hmm. She goes, have you talked to Sunny Hill? And I'm going, for what? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, what What do I need to know about From them, Sunny Hill? Yeah. Like, I don't know anything about them. And that's when I first heard it. And then actually we were at a presentation here at the DSRF and the speaker kind of mentioned it, but I kind of discounted what she'd said because she said, well, she's not being very social, but Ainsley couldn't walk at the time. So she couldn't like in the room, like where she was sitting, she couldn't readily move to where the kids were. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the woman necessarily knew that, but that's kind of when I thought, oh, maybe I better get it checked and, and, you know, put in for the wait list. It was a year long. Mm-hmm. And I think we got in at exactly one year, but I wouldn't say she had a lot of the red flags. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah, she likes the lights and like things that spin, which apparently is a sign. I didn't know that at the time. And because one of the questions they asked me during the assessment was regression. And mm-hmm. I've never seen any regression in Ainsley. Mm-hmm. But talking with other parents who have children with a dual diagnosis, I hear that a, like probably almost all the time that there yeah. was significant regression in speech. It was one of the big flags. Like one woman said, I think her son wasn't diagnosed till about eight. And at seven, he just lost all his language. Like mm-hmm. it, it sounded like he had been talking quite a bit. And, and, and I'm thinking that's so heartbreaking mm-hmm. to, to lose that, but Ainsley's never had that. And then even though at the time when we got the diagnosis that it was so negative and so dire, and he said it was moderate to severe, you know, I didn't really necessarily agree with that, but mm-hmm. I did find a really great consultant, which I think is key uh, it was hard to find someone who had experience with both autism mm-hmm. and di- and Down syndrome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I emailed every single person on the list. Like it was over a hundred and less than 50 got back to me, you know, and out of the ones that I did interview, which I think was 11, two had experience with both. Mm-hmm. And one, the one woman that we ended up getting was actually recommended to me. Mm -hmm. So, and that's worked out really well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think has made a huge difference and, you know, I'd say Ainsley's really thriving. Like, and, you know, I'm not going to discount the autism diagnosis and I'm not in denial of it, but she doesn't have a lot of the associated behaviors. Like she doesn't have the meltdowns or the tanners. Not, I mean, all kids do, but it's not, Nothing beyond a big feature. Yeah, it's not prolific and she transitions really well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel really fortunate in that Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
I don't think it's severe, her autism. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's maybe more moderate to mild. I don't know. I'm not the consultant and I'm not the doctor. Well, I mean, it's a spectrum, right? So you can fall anywhere on there. Mm -hmm. Yes. And And I think, you know, you can move along that spectrum. Yeah, right. For sure. And I think now they're even getting into more of a finer point thing Mm -hmm. where it's like it might be mild in areas A, B, C and more Mm -hmm. moderate in area D. And it's I think it's a lot more complex than doctors used to explain, et cetera. And Mm -hmm. more nuanced, I guess, is the thing. Do you think having the autism diagnosis helped you in any way? I would say in a weird way, yes. Okay. Because nobody wants that diagnosis, of course. No. But it opened up avenues to funding that I would not have had. Mm -hmm. And the therapies that Ainsley's really benefited from. She's Mm -hmm. really benefited from the ABA therapy, like, Mm -hmm. greatly. And I was also able to get her toilet trained, Mm -hmm. which... I certainly wouldn't have been able to afford on my own, Mm -hmm. but you know, she came in five days, boom, done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a little rough after, don't get me wrong, right? but you know, Ainsley leaps and bounds ahead of where you started. Yeah. 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 And that those opportunities probably would not have been uh, presented to me without the diagnosis, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I was able to take her to music therapy Mm -hmm. again, something I wouldn't have been able to afford without the autism diagnosis, again, I w- would prefer her not to have it. Right. But, you know, it is what it is. And you find acceptance somewhere in it. And right. yeah. y- you take all the resources that are given to you and you go with it. But again, getting a good team, I found, is what is so key mm-hmm. to your child's success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think what you said about going through a very arduous process of vetting hundred people to 50 people to 11 people. I mean, props to you (laughs) because that is, that's huge. I mean, that's a full-time job. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. You're the HR manager for your child. (laughs) Um, But it's probably worth it. Mm -hmm. Would you say it's worth it? Because you got the right person, Mm -hmm. you got the right fit. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of work. That's yeah. huge. Yeah, 100%. And it's, and it's a tricky conversation, too, from a therapist's perspective, because, I mean, I personally wouldn't feel super comfortable saying, oh, because they're doing this, stim, they may have autism, because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a never. very collaborative thing. Like, I would always, if there was a client or I had a question, would always go to Marla or one of our other awesome SLPs at the DSRF, because they are looking at it from a different lens. But that conversation sometimes is very hard to broach with parents because you don't want to, you know, I had one mom say to me, she's like, I just got a whole, like just got a handle on the down syndrome and I'll have to deal with the autism. So Mm -hmm. you don't want to add to a parent's plate. What, from your perspective, what advice could you give to therapists or teachers that are just like trying to figure out how to broach that conversation? Like, do you, gosh, that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, I think you know, it's very common in our kids. Mm -hmm, It's up mm -hmm. to almost, I think it's 18% that could possibly have the dual diagnosis. So, I mean, it could almost be broached that way that, you know, one in five of kids with Down syndrome could possibly have autism, you know, and I know that Susan, actually on one of my podcasts, did a very good one Mm -hmm. on the dual diagnosis. And she talked a lot about the red and gray flags, which I think is really beneficial Mm -hmm. to parents. Mm -hmm. And that could be something you could like tell parents to like, because I'm sure you have it as a resource on your website to have a look at because you're right. Like 
nobody wants to hear Mm-mm. that your kid, oh yeah, I'm deal- already dealing with Down syndrome yeah. and now I got to deal with autism, you know, cause, and I've talked with other parents with the dual diagnosis and we all wish like we could just take the autism away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. You don't Our want kid that has Down syndrome. Yeah. But if I could take the autism away. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So it, it's tricky and yeah, I guess it's, it, it's a bit challenging to, to, broach it to parents, but early intervention is so mm-hmm. key, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the earlier that they can get into those therapies and get a good, you can get a good team together, the better it will benefit your child, which yeah. I I think is what has happened with Ainsley. Mm-hmm. Like I would almost love to go back to that doctor who was so yeah. dire and just say, look, yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, and I don't think he even knew much about Down syndrome. And he said they nope. were starting to see more kids with Down like syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm thinking, but what are you doing about that? Like, are you learning anything about yeah. Down syndrome and how it, the traits of autism and Down syndrome can overlap greatly? Like, he, I don't know if he really knew that or understood that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was part of my frustration is I'm going, I know Down syndrome. I don't yes. know if you really know Down syndrome, mm-hmm. but you know, and you kind of need to, because the, yeah. they do overlap mm-hmm. broadly. Absolutely. It's, I would say that conversation, the, we think your child might have autism. It's worth getting an assessment conversation is one of the most serious mm-hmm. conversations that I ever have as a parent. And we take it so extremely seriously because we know that our parents have already grieved mm-hmm. and, or are still grieving. Mm-hmm. And it is not something to just be casually thrown into out. the yeah. wind yeah. at mm-hmm. all. And I would say we tend more towards sitting on that info for a long time or that suspicion to really determine if it's worth it to bring it up to a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, it's in no way is it the first time you see somebody stimming that you're like, wow, exactly, yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably autism at all. Yeah. And we usually ask around to several colleagues and see what they've noticed, what they've seen, uh, because it's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a really huge, huge thing. But On the Mm -hmm. other hand, we weigh that access Mm -hmm. to really valuable, mostly it's therapy, time, equipment, et cetera, support. And and we've had, like, there are, there have been a few parents who are like, hold on, I'm noticing, like, I think Mm -hmm. similar to you, they're just like, what do you, yeah. And then sometimes parents will ask and then Mm -hmm. that's an opening as well. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it is, I a hundred percent agree with Marla. It is not something that we just casually Mm -hmm. would ever throw out and say, Hey, have you ever thought about an autism diagnosis? Cause that is just not, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, you could broach it as, you know, you may not want to be thinking about this, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it Mm -hmm. might be important to just look into yeah. And sort of go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could, I had a parent that I had this conversation with and she said that she thought about it because to her, for another agency had just written it in a report, mm-hmm. hadn't even talked to her about it. So then she obviously very like upset called me and then we talked and eventually she took her time. And she said, you know what? I realized that it's not going to change who my kid is. Mm-hmm. It's just going to provide, like you said, just more resources and more support and more mm-hmm. people on the team. So mm-hmm. that's just her perspective. Obviously, every other parent has their own perspective. But um, but yeah, it is, it's not an easy 
conversation to have or to listen to from your perspective as a parent to to have to no, to go through that. No, so. no. And I think one of the silver linings of the extremely long wait list yeah. is that you have that time that you talked about before to prepare yourself to look into it if you're ready and mm-hmm. you don't have to be ready right away. It's not like somebody saying, we yeah. think your child might have autism. And then the next week you get this assessment and bam, then you mm-hmm. have yeah. a life-changing event. Um, but I wish it weren't quite so long, that wait list. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot of information to take on Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So my next question I was going to ask you was uh, when you were mentioning about getting the diagnosis of Down syndrome, mm-hmm. um, this is another, Mary, can you give us some advice question? <laughs> or give her, um, we of course have many parents that will contact us right away being like, Hey, we just got a diagnosis of Down syndrome. What do we do now? So we can prepare them from our perspective in terms of how we can help. What would you say to parents that are trying to deal with that piece of news when they hear it? I would first give them a hug mm-hmm. and tell them it's going to be okay. And yeah. congratulations. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I talked to a mom shortly before Ainsley was born and the first thing she said to me was congratulations. And to me, it just seemed so weird, mm-hmm. like congratulations. Cause I'm having a baby with down syndrome, but I understand now why that is so important because yeah. I, when she was born, I wanted her to be celebrated. And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember all my family came and my nieces and nephews, like everyone was excited. Everyone at my mm-hmm. workplace, I mean, most of them did not know that she had down syndrome, mm-hmm. but everyone was eagerly awaiting her arrival. Yeah. And, you know, I had a person at work, one of my village you know, send out the message about Ainsley and, and it was from me. And I said, and she has Down syndrome and I'm fine with that. And I hope that you will continue to show me the, all the love and support that I know that you have for me and my girl. Mm-hmm. And they did, mm-hmm. you know, and I think just being positive with parents and just saying, I know what you're going through and mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think parents will always ask us like, okay, what about, they kind of want us to see into the future a little bit. And it's a very hard thing. I've had a recent conversation with a parent who came to visit us on just a Friday. Like, I just got a diagnosis, you know, and it's a very important conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you want to, you know, give them space to express their concerns because they're very valid concerns. Mm -hmm. But still not, like, I don't want to paint a very rosy picture either because mm-hmm. of course even typically developing kids you will go through your ups and downs but it, mm-hmm. it is one of those things where you want to present the possibilities the great mm-hmm. possibilities rather mm-hmm. than and I know and I'm sure you would agree that in doctor's offices a lot of the parents that we've talked to the conversation is always like can't do this won't do this shouldn't be able to do that won't happen yeah or won't happen mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so just trying to find a balance on that that you want to give them reasonable expectations mm-hmm. but also Mm-hmm. Yeah. And positive yeah. stories. And, mm-hmm. you know, and like I said, we had a, we have a great pediatrician and no one was ever like that. Like mm-hmm. I haven't good. really encountered That's that good. too much with the medical great. professionals, yeah. you know, the prenatal part was a different story. Like the genetic counselors were the worst, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. kept pushing towards, you know, termination. I mm-hmm. said, it's not an option. It's mm-hmm. not a choice here. And they knew that from the beginning. And I'm going, why are you asking me that? But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just 
it's also it's allowing the parents to have the chance to to grieve. You're grieving yep. what you yep. were expecting, mm-hmm. and now you're you've got some news that you're getting something a little different, and mm-hmm. and it's okay. It's okay to to grieve. Yeah, you know, but. We're all here for you. We're all here to support you. And we're all eagerly awaiting for your little bub to arrive. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think when you're in those dark days, you kind of really need to hear that, that people are still excited for you. Mm-hmm. Because I remember one friend, she goes, Mary, you're having a baby. And that is something to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. It's a good friend. Yeah. Such a great friend. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. She's absolutely right. I mm-hmm. think, the, yeah, that's what kind of what I was trying to say before is I think it, in, you know, in the long hospital stays, the fact that you have a brand new precious baby gets lost mm-hmm. somehow with all of the tests and things that are important, but it's, it's your baby, yeah. you know, and that's the exciting, that's the valuable piece of that big life change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then to tell expendent parents, you're having a baby and all babies, they need to be fed, changed, hugged, exactly. and loved. Exactly. Yep. 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 Across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They need their little <laughs> naps, all of that. Yes. yes. Exactly. It's exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you also had mentioned your partner, Dennis, and you said that him and Ainsley just have a great relationship. Do mm-hmm. you, do you have a, like a cute little story or like a little, like tell us a little, what do they like to do together other than riding oh. on her trike? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know when it was, but I started this silly game called Hot Lava, you know, where you can't step on the floor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. (laughs) So Ainsley always is wanting hot lava, which means she gets a piggyback. And so... (laughs) Of course. Okay. (laughs) Got it. So Dennis is always being suckered into a piggyback all the time. (laughs) And, you know, like, they love to just... um, uh, snuggle like Ainsley. Yeah. They, I see them on the couch sitting together. Uh, you know, I, unfortunately recently she's been coming into our bed like every night, but the last week has been pretty good actually, mm-hmm. but they like to snuggle together. They sleep the same, you know, they, I think they just love hanging out with each other. Mm-hmm. And I know, like I said about the Ainsley's bike, they like to ride the bike together and, and, and swimming. They definitely yeah. love to go swimming together. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Are I'm so cool? glad. I'm so glad <laughs> yeah. about it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and where mm. people can find it and what kind of things are on it? And how did you come to, yeah. Why did the, you, decide? why did you start a podcast? It's an awesome one, but I just curious, like, <laughs> why did I start? Why the did you start it? Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason it was started is, well, one day I was doing a fundraiser with cookies at, at, um, a farmer's market and my friend Ron, who's now my co-host, he would always come down whenever I was doing the farmer's markets and we we're just chatting. And he said, have you ever thought of doing a podcast? I think at that time I'd listened to one podcast. Mm-hmm. I said, no, I I'd thought about doing a blog, but I never have time and to sit down and write anything. Mm-hmm. He goes, well, I'll help you. Oh. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of us knew what that entailed. And so we sat on it for a while and then we met up one rainy Saturday afternoon, I think it was. And we kind of discussed what it would look like and went over some different names. And finally I came up with T21 mom because I thought it was sort of fitting Mm -hmm. and, and it just went from there. So, you know, I, I love hearing other people's stories, Mm -hmm. like what, you know, different things they've been through or what they're doing, you know, and also I've had lots of different professionals like Mm -hmm. you, Hannah has Mm -hmm. been on and, and Eleanor and, 
gosh, I think almost half the staff here, Marla, you haven't been on. <laughs> Some days. Some day. And you so also have like pe- families from around the world on your podcast, right? Just with different experiences. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Yes. We yeah. have, gosh, I, I was just looking at it today. I think we're at 67 episodes, Amazing. I think. Yeah. can't even remember now. It's a lot. And yeah, and it's being heard all over the world, which is really cool, mm-hmm, as I'm sure mm-hmm. you can tell from your own podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've had... Uh, we've had a few people. I'm trying to think now. I've had my friend Sharon on. She is from Britain. Mm-hmm. And I've had people from the States. Yeah. Recently, there was a young girl. Her name is Riley Kate. And she's like all of 16 years old. And she started a nonprofit uh, back in November 2020 that's gives welcome baskets to children with Down syndrome who've been adopted, you know, and she's doing all these amazing things. I love hearing all these different amazing stories. She doesn't have a sibling with Down syndrome. Just, she's just grew grew up because she had a a child in her class. I think it was in kindergarten or grade one who was, who had autism. Mm -hmm. And she said every year there was a child in her class who was a little bit different. And she said that shows that inclusion works. And I, when I heard that, I thought, Mm -hmm. yes, that's so amazing. So I love just, you know, sharing my experiences sharing other people's stories, but also sharing different professionals, their experience. Like, so, because there's so much need in our community, like for example, the toilet training, Mm -hmm. I've had Katie on like three times because Mm -hmm. I I don't think she realized that there was such a need in the Down syndrome community for toilet training Mm -hmm. because now that's all she does Mm -hmm. for her practice. Mm -hmm. But also, I read about it all the time about people need that information. Yep. And I thought this is a great way that you can get that information. So great. I'm open to all different types of stories and whatever yeah. people want to hear. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, so to end our episode, I would love <laughs> to know what your hopes are for Ainsley's future. Hmm. Oh, gosh, I I want her to be accepted and to find something that she has joy in, Mm -hmm. you know, my little dream is to have like a little bakery or a little Mm -hmm. bistro and make lots of cookies and hire people like down, like Ainsley who Mm -hmm. have down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I want her to have, have choices in her life, like Mm -hmm. where she wants to live, how she wants to live. Does she want to live with us forever? Does she want to live on her own? Mm -hmm. You know, I want her to be able to have that opportunity in life. And, you know, and my goal is just to try to help that, you know, to, for her to have the best life that she can. I want us to go and travel and do lots of amazing trips and Mm -hmm. do amazing things. And that's what I hope for her. Yeah. That's lovely. Very, very well said. Great. Very (laughs) well said. Yeah. It's been a huge pleasure to have you on Mary. Thank you so much for coming and joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Mm The Lowdown, a Down Syndrome podcast, can be found on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you never miss an episode. And let us know what you think by leaving a rating and a review. Be sure to visit the webpage for this episode at dsrf.org podcast for additional resources related to the topic. You can also follow DSRF Canada on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for updates from The Lowdown and the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation. Want to know more about Down Syndrome? Class is now in session at DSRF's online learning portal powered by Thinkific. Users have called DSRF's resource brilliant, fantastic, 
and absolutely first class. Now, our educational platform puts these tools right at your fingertips. Start with our free introductory course down syndrome 101 or dive deep into the issue that matters most to you by enrolling in subjects like mental health or relationships and sexuality for people with Down syndrome. Each course guides users through video, audio, and written resource to help you better understand and support the person in your life with Down syndrome. All courses and subscriptions include access to the DSRF circle of support. Through this social community, user can interact and learn from one another and engage directly with DSRF. So, what are you waiting for? Class is about to begin, and there's an empty desk just for you. Visit dsrf.org slash thinkific to sign up today. Got questions? We have answers. 321's Canada's Down Syndrome magazine brings leading-edge expertise from Canada's top Down Syndrome professionals, as well as parents and people with Down Syndrome, direct to your inbox four times per year. Brought to you by the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation and Canadian Down Syndrome Society. 321 tackles issues important to people with Down syndrome and their families at every stage of life. From mental and physical health and development, relationships, employment, independence, and more, we will equip you to explore whatever your future holds. 321 Magazine, information and inspiration for Canada's Down syndrome community. Download the latest issue and describe for free at dsrf.org slash magazine. The Lowdown, the Down Syndrome podcast, is a production of Down Syndrome Research Foundation. Learn more at dsrf.org and join the conversation at DSRF Canada on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The Lowdown is hosted by... Marla Fodan and Hannah Mahmood and it's produced by Glenn Hughes. The Lowdown theme music and just do was written and recorded by Rick Scott.